Hey, we started a series last week called Inheritance. Everyone say, Inheritance. And um, the big idea of this series, as we're in the season of transition and, and uh, shifting and, and kind of a baton pass, is that we want to understand and receive uh, the gift that God has given us as, uh, as, a, as an inheritance and his call on not only our lives, but us as a church community. That word inheritance, we defined it last week, it's the birthright or heritage that's been passed on with intent that stewardship would continue. The birthright or heritage that's been passed on with intent that stewardship would continue. And today I want to talk about the birthright. Talk about the birthright. You can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25. And while you're turning there, uh, if if you don't have a Bible, um, we'd love to give you one. Um, but it'll be on the screen, but uh, make sure you bring your Bible and follow along, take notes, all of that good stuff. But uh, this, this scripture is about Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau are, are twin brothers born to Abraham and, or sorry, not Abraham, to Isaac and Rebekah. If you've heard uh, in the Old Testament, they were referred to as uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob and, and Esau are the sons of, of Isaac. So right there in the middle, Isaac and Rebekah, they're twin brothers. And as they were born, I mean, when they're in the womb, they're literally wrestling. And as they're born, Esau is the older one. He's born first, but Jacob comes out grabbing the heel of Esau. And this was indicative of the relationship that they would have growing up and even after they were adults and as they became two nations, which was prophesied while, uh, while they were in Rebekah's womb, uh, that, that, was, that would be prophesied. This was kind of the nature of how they would relate to each other. And, and Jacob would grow up, even though he was the second and even though he was in the, in the shadow of Esau a little bit, there was something about Esau that he, wa- he wanted that inheritance. He wanted that favor from Isaac. He wanted that, like, because Jacob was close to mom, but he wanted that favor from dad. And here's where we pick up. In verse 29 of Genesis chapter 25, it says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country. This is what it would refer to multiple times is Jacob or Esau was a a man of the open country. So he's cooking stew and Esau comes in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. And that's a reference even back to the fact that when he was born, it describes him as red and hairy. And does that describe anybody? No, I'm just Red, and, and he, was, he, was like a, he was like wool. And it says, uh, give me some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. So what good is this birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. I want to speak for the next few minutes how to despise your birthright. How to despise your birthright. Or you might say, how not to despise your birthright. Let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, we thank you that you're here in this room. You're present. And God, even as as we were worshiping together, and uh, God, you showed up. We pray that uh, in the same way you speak to us today. We pray that there'd be somebody in the room today who needs to hear a word from you that they would leave with that word. 
God, we thank you that you're not only speaking to each of us, but you're speaking to all of us and leaving us different than we came. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's read it again. Verse 29, Esau came in from the open country famished. Everyone say famished. He turns to his brother, yo, give me some of that red stew. I'm famished. You ever been famished? You ever been so hungry that you said, I'm not doing fast food anymore, but you drive by Taco Bell? And you say, maybe, maybe just, to, just today, I need a Doritos Locos taco. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, no shame in this house. <laughs> that word famished is to be in a weakened or exhausted state due to hunger or thirst. To be in an exhausted state. It's like your hunger is making you tired and exhausted and your exhaustion is making you that much more hungry and that makes you that much more exhausted and you're in this place of exhaustion and it drives you to this place where you start to do things that you know that you're not meant to do. You ever been in that place where where your exhaustion or your season, that it gets you to this place where you start to think about doing things that you thought you'd never think about doing? It's not only things that you thought you'd never do, but you start contemplating doing things that you never even thought you would ever contemplate. And so you're in this place of exhaustion. But the funny thing is, is when we think of exhaustion and hunger and in this kind of thing, we think about, well, I'm exhausted, exhausted because I'm not doing the right things. Like I talk to people all the time and I'm all for it. I'm like, I am for you like, uh, reading scripture and praying and that setting you up for the day and helping you to resist temptation. And I do think that there is a correlation that when you read the Bible in the morning and when you pray and when you seek God, that it, it gives you the strength to kind of endure the day. But can I tell you, sometimes the greatest temptation comes on the heels of you doing the greatest things. Like sometimes your greatest temptation comes on the heels of you living out your purpose doing the things that you were actually called to do. Like for me, it's when I'm preaching. I love to preach. I love to, I, I love to talk about the word of God. I love the church. And, and I can tell you my greatest moments of temptation where I start thinking thoughts I ought not to or being tempted to do things or tempted to eat things or attitudes or whatever are on the heels of me pe- preaching the message that I think is the greatest message ever or something. Like I get home and I'm filled up and I'm just like, I'm poured out. Because when you preach, if, if you've ever preached or when you lead worship or when you do something that, that is in you to do, like it's the thing that you're called to do. When you do it, it empties you of your virtue. So you're energized by the fact that I just did the thing that I'm designed to do, but your virtue is gone. You ever been in that place? And so it's not when you're sinning sometimes. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it's actually when you're living out your purpose, just like Esau was. Being a man of the open country, living out his purpose. And as he's living out his purpose, he comes back home famished. He's famished. And he's exhausted because he's depleted himself of his virtue. And I can tell you that sometimes what we do is we let our guard down because we think that we are immune because we're doing all of the right things. The more right things you do, the more susceptible you are to temptation. 
And it's when you're living out your purpose. It's when you're in a fruitful season that the enemy is looking for the opportunity to sneak in and bring temptation. It's after you close the deal or your prayer is answered and you did all of the things that you were created to do. And in those moments of all of this output, there's something that your soul or your body needs and it's intake. And I would say that it's sustenance, but sometimes what we do is instead of replenishing our soul with a pace and and, and a a proper order of things, what we do is we try and fill the void and we bypass our own rules. This is what driving by Taco Bell is. Is you're saying, I'm gonna eat healthy and I'm uh, I'm gonna live with some good habits and then you drive by and what do you start to do? Your hunger starts talking to you. And you start to rationalize in this case and in this day and in this scenario, it is right for me to do this thing. Now, I joke about Taco Bell, but while, and it can, it can be about your eating, but sometimes what it is is we're nervous about the future, so we make hurried decisions. Like sometimes it's when we're craving intimacy and connection with our spouse, but it's been a difficult or a busy season, so we turn to our phone instead. Like sometimes it's when we're out of virtue and so we binge, show, uh, binge watch the shows that we should never be watching in the first place no matter what season we're in because they're completely unholy and they completely suck virtue out of us without any kind of output and they deplete us of all character. It's all bad. And what do we do? We're in a low season. We're out of virtue. Or maybe we're wounded and we start saying things that are inconsistent with what we aspire to live. Or maybe it's we're feeling like we're falling short and we're ineffective and and so we overcompensate by living our lives to criticize and compare ourselves to other people. And in any case, in these moments, what ends up happening is just like Esau, we despise our birthright. We despise our birthright. There's these two words here. It says Esau despised his birthright. And there's these two words, despised and birthright. That word despised means to step out of alignment or detach from something, but with contempt. It's to detach yourself from, from something like your purpose. Like you, you step out of alignment from it as if you're trying to get separation from it. And that word birthright, the, the birthright was, was a blessing or inheritance that was passed on to the next generation. So in this case, it would have been for, for Esau, he would have been receiving from Isaac the, the generational blessing and the, the headship of the family. He would have received land, he would have received authority and staff and all of the things. He would have gotten all of this far more than Jacob. And Jacob knew that and Esau knew it. Esau knew what was his. It was a right as the firstborn son. likely they would have had conversations about this. And Esau knew what was his. So when Esau despised his birthright, he did not do so with naivety. He he knew what he was doing. Says he despised his birthright, that blessing or inheritance. It's the thing that you're designed to do. So to to despise your birthright is to live in contempt with what you were designed to do. When you despise your birthright, You're living in contempt toward what you were designed to do. How often have we done this? Where we are contempted toward the thing that God actually created us for. And when we live in contempt with what we were designed to do, 
we end up living unworthy of the call. And when we live unworthy of the call, we end up living miserable, perpetually miserable lives as a result of it. We're frustrated. Never enough. And this is the danger of despising our birth. This is the danger of the deconstruction movement. If you've been around faith at all, you've heard this, this idea of deconstruction. And, 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 and I, want, I want to say, when it comes to faith and when it comes to your questions, if you're in this room and you're doubting or you're questioning or you're struggling or your friends are or something like that, you need to know that this is the place that you need to be. This is the place that you should be welcome to ask whatever questions and not feel like by asking the question that you're a broken person. Friends, we all need to be asking those questions. But if we're not careful, we will sign up for a movement of contempt. And that's what deconstruction movement is. It's, it's a movement of contempt. Why? Because its whole platform is to detach people from their birthright. And you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as people who were designed and created and put on this earth today, we have a birthright because of who God is and what Jesus did. We now have a birthright and the deconstruction movement and other movements like it, secularism and progressivism and any humanism and all of these things, what they're aimed to do is to get you to despise the thing that God says is your inheritance. So what it'll do is it'll, it'll disguise it as honesty, but it, no, 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 it's not honesty, it's demonic. And what it's trying to get you to do is to hate the very thing that God created you for. It's one thing to ask a question. It's another thing to throw out what God actually created you for and to hate it. And Paul talks about it, it's like, the people that do that, what, what, what are they like? They're like the, the pieces of pottery on the ground yelling at the potter, telling it what to do. If we're not careful, we end up despising our birthright. And guess what? The person who despises their birthright is never satisfied until everything is dismantled and then they realize, I have nothing left. And I'm not here to shame I'm not here to put down. I'm not even here to be heavy. I'm simply here to say, are you living in contempt of your birthright or are you living in alignment with your birthright, in alignment with your inheritance, in alignment with the call that God has given you? That is God's invitation. It is not easy. Paul would say in Ephesians, he would say, hey, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm living worthy of my call. How about you? Why don't you live worth, do whatever you can to live worthy of the calling that you've received? I'm not here to gloss over it. To live worthy of the call is to sacrifice and at times carry pressure that the rest of the world doesn't seem to have to carry, but it is your upward call in Christ. I'm sorry, I know it's heavy. But this is your invitation in 2024 is to live worthy of the calling that you've received. I might say, live worthy of your birthright. I want to give you three thoughts on how not to despise your birthright. Number one, how not to despise your birthright. Number one is this, we play the long game. I say this all the time. When I'm ever talking to someone or coaching somebody or, or a mentor or anything like that, or even when we talk with our staff and things like that, we're saying, hey, Remember, we're playing the long game. 
Not playing the short game. Russ did this so well with the Seahawks, RIP. Been a rough week for Seattle sports. But who was I talking to this morning? They're wearing, wearing a UW hat, right? And, and, and he's like, this was like a week ago. This hat was a week ago, and it's already, I'm already living in the past. Yeah, it's been a rough week. If you're not a sports person, you just don't care. And, uh, but it's been a rough week. But hey, the best is yet to come. <laughs> where, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, Russ. We're a fourth quarter team. Uh, yeah, that, that was the point. I missed it. Uh, but, but Esau, what was he doing? He's playing the short game. It's all about now. My hunger, now. But Jacob, he was playing the long game. With Esau, it was about the immediate fix. And what started with hunger would eventually become anger. But with Jacob, he was playing the long game and he was not about the immediate, he was about the eventual blessing. It would be decades before or in between the time where Jacob would make this deal with his brother and eventually receive the blessing from his father. And even then, he had to be sneaky about it. I'm not condoning what he did, but what he did is he played the long game. And you and I have to play the long game. In 2024, let us make it our ambition that we would play the long game. And some of us, what we're trying to do is we, we, we feel a feeling we see a deficiency in our lives. We see a change that needs to be make, made. And what we do is we try and do whatever we can to accelerate the fix. So I, I don't like where I'm at in this area of my life. Therefore, I am going to do something to, to jumpstart. And I'm all for momentum. I'm all for kickstarting something, right? Like this is what the 21 days of prayer and fasting does. Is It can, it can kind of kickstart your year. I don't care what 2023 was. Let's start this year fresh. It's not too late. Like that is all good. But the better thing for you would not be to fast right now, but to live a lifestyle of daily following Jesus. Like making your ambition this year, not to just make quick fixes, but to, to prioritize rhythms, Rhythms of rest, rhythms of reading scripture, rhythms of discipling your kids. Let's make it our ambition to grow in our theology. For some of you, that's an invitation for you this year. There's a lot of people who are like, when are we going to talk about this, 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 this? Like we have 9,000 series that we're trying to do this year, but we only have 52 weeks. We get to do about seven or eight. And there are niche topics that God has actually put on your heart to go and investigate and study. Like, go learn. And then bring other people into it. Maybe start a small group. I don't know what it is. But let's make it our ambition to grow in our theology. Let's not be anemic anymore. Let's not be victims to the waves of secularism that are out there because we don't have the, the, the solid th theology within us to combat those thoughts and to work with them for what they are and engage those things and engage culture and read Twitter or watch TikTok, which I don't recommend, but if you do, that you need to have a solid enough theology that can handle navigating these things as they come at you and not being succumbed to them. Like, let's make it our ambition to grow. Like, make it your ambition this year to change your habits from destructive to constructive. Maybe start saving money. Don't wait until next year. Save money now. Start tithing. Start giving. Start serving. Be in church every week. I want to challenge some of us. 
Some of us, it's way too easy, way too easy to miss a lot of church. And I'm not keeping attendance. I'm not good enough at math. Like, I don't know where you were. I don't know if you were here last week. But, but like, it, it, it's got to be to that place where we're saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embed some sacred rhythms because I'm not trying to get back in church, please God, have my life get fixed so I can go back to living for me. But instead, no, I'm going to create some sustainable habits. I'm going to make one thing at a time, knowing that over time they will compound on top of each other. Not an overnight fix, not even maybe this year, but over time so that in 2054, and when I've got kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, the legacy I have left is due to the regular little things I did today. Make that your ambition today. Yes, accelerate. Yes, change the diet. Yes, change the morning. You, you know, master your mornings is what I like to say. Like, yes, do those things. But let's get some sustainable things. Make that your ambition this year. Why? Because we're playing the long game. And you know who else is? God is. God's playing the long game. He's committed to you. So don't you think that if you don't, or if you do, that that somehow changes what God is gonna do for you. No, 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 no. Get this, friends. God is playing the long game with you. He's for you. He's with you. He's committed to you. He's called you. And he will equip you to do whatever you need to do. Can I get an amen? amen. God's playing the long game. Number two, we prioritize legacy over liberties. We gotta prioritize legacy over liberties. And Esau, he valued the immediate freedom. He valued, he, he valued what he was, he was the, it was the open country. It was the vastness. And this is, this is the exciting thing sometimes about the call of God is there's a vastness to it. Like, oh, possibilities. But in the nature of sometimes valuing the possibilities, we sometimes can undermine legacy. Jacob and Esau would go on to become two nations, like we said earlier, Israel and Edom. And Edom would eventually become a fierce enemy of, of Israel. And that idea of famished, it was like when, Jake, when, when Esau comes in, he's like, I'm famished. That was really a, de a description of the identity of that whole nation, what they would become. They were always famished, always hungry and thirsty for more always needing more victory, always angry, always bitter, always finding fault, always having something that they're chasing, never satisfied. When we put liberty over legacy, we end up overemphasizing the wrong things and neglecting the right things. We overemphasize desire, but then we'll neglect values. We'll overemphasize our flesh, but we'll neglect the call to die to our flesh. And, and again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but Jesus says, come and die. Like his same invitation to every single human being ever, die. I'm not trying to be morbid, not trying to be heavy. It's just the reality, like die to yourself. What, what does having kids do? It teaches you how to die hourly. <laughs> right? You get to die. You get to die to your flesh. Marriage, die to your flesh. Was church. Sometimes getting up early when you had a late night, die to your flesh. Reading your Bible. I don't feel like reading my Bible six out of seven days a week because I'm tired in the morning. 
and I want to hit snooze, and, I, and I'm, and I'm ta- it, but I know I value it. Do I get it perfect? No. But God's invitation for me is to die to my flesh. But when I prioritize freedom, I have the right. It is not a sin for me to sleep, but it is unwise. But when I prioritize legacy, I'm building for the long haul. So I will die to my flesh because I'm building something that is beyond me. When I focus on, when I, when I prioritize liberty over legacy, I focus on what I'm permitted to do, but I neglect on what I'm called to do. There's a lot of debates going on on what it, what's okay for Christians to do and what's, what's allowed and what's permissible, and we miss the point. What are you called to? And as Paul would say, live your life worthy of that calling. But when we prioritize legacy, the old us now becomes a testimony to God's goodness. When we prioritize legacy, future generations now have a foundation to stand on. That's what I love about child dedications. We're reminded, hey, we're not building for us. We're not building for today. We're building that names that we don't know, names that are not born, faces that have not yet been seen by human beings, that they would come to know the realness of God in this room. Why? Because we're not just building for today. We're building for the long haul. We're building for... Legacy, when you prioritize legacy, our kids grow up strong because they see a potent faith that is modeled in the home. When we prioritize legacy, generational curses are broken and God begins to look to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those he can show himself strong on behalf of. And he says, I can bless that. I can anoint that. I can put my favor on that. I'm not saying that you're here to try and earn a blessing from God. But what I am saying is there are blessings that are scanning. Where is there somebody that's compatible for this blessing? Because God does not give out arbitrarily. He's looking for opportunities to show his strength on your behalf. Are you with me this morning? We've got to prioritize legacy over our liberties. And number three, We live worthy of the call. And I'll invite the band to come forward as we get ready to close. Live worthy of the call. I read it earlier, said it earlier. Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Paul's in prison. He's in chains because of following Jesus. Sometimes there are chains because you follow Jesus. One of my professors in college would say, others may, you may not. Others get to, you don't get to. You signed that away the moment you said, I'm gonna follow Jesus, and not only will he be my friend, but he's my Lord. And the moment you said yes to that, you said no to a whole host of things. Live a life worthy of the calling you receive. Paul would use this language throughout many letters. Live your lives worthy of the gospel, worthy of the calling you receive. Live your lives worthy and worthy of God's call on your life. Now I have a mission today, and it's to remind you and stir you up. You didn't call you. You didn't. You didn't originate this thing. You didn't create you. You didn't save you. You did not choose you. God did. God called you. God chose you. God saved you. God created you. And you are here for a reason. And let's live our lives worthy of it. This isn't a suck it up. This isn't a heavy thing. This is a reminder. You were created to reign. You were created to dominate. You were created to take ground. You're created to lead and to build and produce and raise strong kids and disciple and intercede. You are called by God. 
You are not here arbitrarily. God put you for, here for a reason. You were created to reign. You have a birthright. You're called by God. You've been entrusted with great things. Does it seem beyond you? Yeah, it always is. If it's easy, if it's tangible, take a step forward and get to the place where it's a little bit uncomfortable and you actually have to trust that God's call, though beyond you, will be, you'll be strengthened to be able to carry it. God called you. Whether you're 19 or 69, 40, your parent, newly married, I don't know where you are. But whatever age, whatever season that you are in, I need to remind you that God's call goes to you whether you like it or not. The giftings of the, and the callings of God are, as scripture says, without repentance, meaning your repentance does not give God the permission to now call you. God called you before you ever repented. God called you before you ever breathed your first breath. God's call went to you whether you liked it or not. God, that is God's invitation to you. So, do you feel unworthy today? Sure. Do you need to repent? Sure, probably. Is there something you need to confess? Maybe. Is there something you need to acknowledge from the past? Sure. But let's acknowledge the past. Let's make the changes. Let's make the adjustment. Let's admit the mistakes, but let's build. Let's get up and remember, there's a birthright. We are all firstborn now. We are all called of God. God has great things in store for your life. This year, it is not going to be based on what you see out there, but it's actually God saying, I'm the one, I'm the one who's called you. And this is, this is what we see all the time in scripture. He said, be strong and courageous to people who were not strong and were not courageous. I'm about to do insurmountable things, things you could never imagine, and they will have nothing to do with you. Yesterday, I was building a shelf, a little uh, end table for uh, my daughter, Lennon, in her, her bedroom. She was so excited about it. And um, it's a little thing from Target and just this little shelf. And so um, I laid out on the floor and Lennon wanted to help me. And so, it's, I don't know if you've ever done this. Like I wanted to just sit there in peace and quiet and just build it by myself. But as you know, with, with a three-year-old or with you know, any kid, they, they wanna be a part and you want that for them. So yeah, Lennon, help me. And so I had her hold the screws and that's all she did. And it's funny because Noah gets home and, and, and she was gone and she got home and she's like, mom, me and dad are building this table. She said, me and dad are building it. And I said, yeah, Lennon's been a great help. Gotta be honest, she did not one thing to contribute to that table. <laughs> but can I tell you, in that moment, she was functioning in her purpose, realizing I am partnering with my dad. Now, let me say this. Everything that we do is just like that. We like to think that we had something to do with this thing. 
but God's the one who called us. God's the one who equipped us. God's the one who sustained us. God's the one who put breath in our lungs. God's the one who walked with us. God is the one. It's not you, it's not me. It is God who sustains you. It's God who equips you. It's God who loved you. And it's God who will carry you through. And you might at times think, oh man, look what I did. And God's like, you're cute, buddy. And I love you for it because you're my son. You're created to do that. But let me remind you, I'm the one who did it. God's the one who's faithful. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Hey, let's not despise any longer our birthright. And maybe today, if you're being honest, you've been despising your call. Meaning you've been living out of alignment with what you were created to be. And here's the key, don't be in shame today. Don't live in the past. Simply say, God, I wanna accept your call. I wanna live according to it. So I choose today, I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna turn from my sin. I'm gonna turn from my past. I'm gonna turn from my wicked ways. I'm gonna say no to that now. I'm gonna change some habits and I'm gonna move forward and live worthy of the call. And the only way you can do that is when you have the one that you are following. Hebrews 12, here's what it says. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured opposition from sinful men that you and I might not lose heart. The only way for you to do this, eyes on Jesus. Keep following him. So today, with our eyes closed, perhaps today, You've been despising your birthright. You've been living out of alignment with it. Would you be so bold today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as to raise your hand and just say, you know what? I want to, you're not saying I'm living in shame. You're saying I'm gonna start to live in alignment with my birthright as I follow Jesus. Would you lift your hand straight up? Come on, a lot of hands, awesome. Hey, I'm with you. Come on, there's areas where we despise it. But God is saying today, I'm calling you to live in a new way. I'm calling you to live in accordance with your birthright. I've called you to be the father that you didn't think that you could be. You can be with my strength. I'm calling you to be the mother you feel ill-equipped to be, but I'm calling you. I'm calling you to lead your business into the next season, even though you feel like overwhelmed by it. I am calling you. I'm calling you to be strong and stand firm in the faith in, in, the, in the waves that are coming at you in your workplace. I'm calling you, and by my strength, you'll be able to do it, says the Lord. God, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity and the call to live in accordance with the birthright. So we say yes to it today, God. We say yes. Would you lead us forward? We keep our eyes fixed on you. And God, when we wake up and realize we did not match up, we thank you, God, that there is one who did, and that is Jesus. So we yet again keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Come on, can we give God one big hand? Here's what I wanna do. Can I invite our, our, our prayer partners up to the front? Our prayer partners are all right here. And today, if you've been despising your birthright, maybe it's not that, but you just need prayer for anything. The key of this, we say it every week, the key is that you pray with somebody. And sometimes you need a reminder for someone else, hey, I got you. 
And that is what these prayer partners are here to do. Maybe you're ready to say yes to following Jesus for the first time. Come and receive prayer from one of them. We would love to walk with you, help you take your next step. Hey, the best is yet to come in 2024. Not because of what we see out there, but because we have a God who's leading us. Amen? Come on. It's gonna be a great week. God, be with us. We thank you and we say yes. We say yes to your call. Would you lead us forward in Jesus' name? Everyone said, amen.